This episode of Ear Buddies is brought to you by the Harvard-Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics, which reports that a gas giant about 10 or 15,000 light years away has swallowed a planet. A sun swallowed a planet, a gloomy preview of what will happen to Earth down the road. It's the Harvard-Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics. I'm Justin Bieber. And I'm the A-Team. And this is Ear Buddies. Matt, the club is not the best place to find a lover, so the bar is where I go. That's so weird that you say that, Tim, because me too. Uh-huh. It's, uh, it's just one of countless excellent lyrics by Edward... Sheeran. The club isn't the best place to find the lovers, so the bar is where I go. Me and my friends at the table doing shots, tripping fast, and then we talk slow. Edward Christopher Sheeran, the English singer-songwriter, the global phenomenon, the one of one of the most respected uh, and prolific pop music songwriters of our era, Matt, of the 21st century. This guy's a busy little boy. Yeah, he really is. Um, it's a and and it's a crazy. It's a big, big week for Edward Christopher, isn't it? I'm in love with the shape of you. We push and pull like a magnet. Although my heart. Oh, Edward has had quite a week. He, uh, it's the uh, the People versus Ed Sheeran. Uh, that case is settled. And Ed comes out on top. Well, not the people. I guess it. I guess it wasn't the people technically. It, it was the Ed Townsend estate, the co-writer of "Let's Get It On," who the estate took Ed to court, saying that he copied that Marvin Gaye song when he wrote "Thinking Out Loud." That case was settled on Thursday of last week, and and rest assured, dear listener, Matt and I will talk about. It. We have. We have thoughts about uh, what went down in the courtroom in New York. But before we get there, pal, I think uh, I think it's high time that we get to the bottom of Ed Sheeran. What's going on here? I think we need to break out our calculators and uh, figure out the order of operations here with the music of Edward Sheeran. We absolutely do, Tim. And... and uh I know that you're not forgetting this. I know that you're just kind of throwing it to me to allow me to participate in this in this episode, which I appreciate. Um, <laughs> but not only a big week legally for Ed, but he's got uh, his his album, of course, his the fourth in his decade long uh, experiment in mathematics, applied mathematics. It's the fifth, uh, Matt. Oh, is it the fifth? Oh, did you say did you say fifth? I'm sorry, I thought you said no. Fourth. I said fourth, but I'm not as good. At math, uh, as Ed came in for the embers, stayed out for the breeze. Anyway, yes. So, so this look, this trial is a real mitzvah for us here at Ear Buddies because mm. we've been wanting to talk about Edward for a very long time. Yes, and we thought, well, he's always, he's all, he's so, he's so there all the time that he's. All, 
constantly relevant and mm-hmm. irrelevant, mm-hmm. right? But and so we were like, what what could could bring us to to discuss him and his work? And we thought, well, he's got his his last, uh, you know, I guess the last album of his mathematical experiment coming yeah. out. That's worth talking That's about. Right. But then this trial. So there's so much to talk about. But I do agree with you, Tim. Before we get into any sort of um, litigation, mm-hmm. I think it's very important that we we try and understand this this mop-headed little little muppet <laughs> and and his work and his craft a little bit better. I'm staring at a picture of this muppet, and he is such. He's just a he's a sweet. Wet dog <laughs> of a of a singer songwriter. Yeah, he he doesn't go for all that all that flash and razzle dazzle. He's got a bunch of colorful tattoos. He's got red hair. He seems like a sweet man. He does seem like a sweet man, and that is the impression he gave everybody, Matt. When uh, in 2011, he emerged. From the hills of Halifax <laughs> to share with us, you know, a, a pretty darn good song, The A Team. White lips, pale face, breathing in snowflakes, burnt lungs, our taste. New boy with a guitar on the scene, and you know we we love our boys with guitars, and especially in 2011, we you know we were craving a new boy with a guitar. Absolutely, Ed marched onto the scene, uh, ready to go, rearing and ready, and you know we were impressed that uh, that he put together what what seems like a really good song, honestly, you know. Uh, Verse, chorus, verse, chorus situation, and, uh, and doing a great job with it in a time, uh, in a time when you know Geta style dance beats uh, were inundating the charts. This felt this was good. This was a salve. This, this is what we were craving after uh, after being out on the dance floor for so long. Matt, what was your impression of Ed's entree to the scene? Tim, I'll tell you what, buddy. I thought it was great. I, I was I was in the mood for it too, like like the public. Um, I you know yeah. it, it's it's a little soft, um, but Ed is a little soft. Ed is a low volume artist. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah. And and I remember hearing this uh, many many times. And now uh, when I get in my vehicle, this is the first song that plays because of its title. Um, so good job, Ed. <laughs> But yeah, I think you know. I, I think I think that he came on the scene with this as like somebody, you know, as a, as some sort of a contender. He felt like sort of the uh, the the male reflection, I guess, of. Uh, of Adele. Does that make sense? I know that they, they weren't making the same sort of music, but they Tim. both <laughs> captured that same target, yes. don't you think? Yes, I knew you were going to say that, but I didn't want to interrupt. Um, of, co- <laughs> of course, that's exactly right. Um, you know, uh, time is a flat circle, and, mm-hmm. uh, and trends are like the tide, and when you get electro club thumping on the dance floor, 
uh, that, that must be met uh, with an equal and opposite reaction from some sentimental British people. So yes, that's, that's what was happening. <laughs> that's exactly right. Okay, so, so we're all very happy that Ed has arrived. Uh, he gets a feature on Taylor Swift's best album, Red. Nice tune. He's co-writing music. You know, he's like he's immediately respected, I think, as a songwriter. And so he starts, you know, he starts collaborating and and writing songs for people as important as Justin Bieber. Right. Mm-hmm. If you like the way you look that much, oh, baby, you should go and love yourself. And if you think he writes music for the weekend, he, he uh, for One Direction. That's right. That's right. Um, he's all over the place because his songwriting chops were, were immediately apparent, and, and so while he is uh, rising to absolute uh, low volume pop dominance, this dude's picking up credits on massive songs for massive artists, Matt. Hey, here is where I would like to cut across kind of this um, this gentle introduction with a little bit of um, I just wanted I want to disturb the waters here. Sure, right? please. He has that first album that was just a plus symbol, and then he comes out with his second album, Multiply, which is the multiplication symbol. And it's it's then Matt that Ed reveals to us. That he does not want to just be a soft rock sweetheart. <laughs> Do you remember this song? Oh, Tim. I do. It's late in the evening, lost on the side. I've been sad with you for most of the night. Ignoring everybody here, we wish they would disappear. So maybe we could get down now. This is a song called Sing um, by everyone's favorite Justin Timberlake cover artist, Ed Sheeran. <laughs> and it is, it is sexy as hell. Take another step into the no man's <laughs> before the longest time, lady. I need you, darling, come on, set the tone. If you feel the fall, won't you let me know? It's it's certainly versatile. Uh, it's certainly a reach from what he had been doing, and and I guess here's where I want to take this, Matt. Uh, we introduce, well, Ed introduces himself to us as the quintessential sweet, soft British puppy dog. Um, but it does not take long for him to say, no, 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 no. I can write any kind of song, idiot. I can write anything. Man, it's here where I must respectfully disagree with Ed. I don't think this works, and okay. not just not just the corny performance because he is corny. Yeah, you know, everybody knows that. We we all accept that baseline that Ed Sheeran is a corny artist, uh, and I refuse to engage with um, that discourse and, and say I dislike him just because he's corny. No, no, no. I just kind of think that he is not quite as rubbery and malleable as he thinks he is and I guess as the world gives him credit for being your thoughts Tim I'm I you're my best friend buddy and I'm so glad that you that you brought this up because it's something that keeps me up at night it really is mm. I 
absolutely agree with you. I think like he's obviously talented. Oh, but right. You know, you know how we've we've talked a little bit about well, maybe maybe a lot about how Jack Antonoff ah. uh, is a is a guy who kind of at his worst produces just the one thing that he produces, the one kind of sound. Of course. I think that this is it's a similar case with Ed. He cannot remove himself from the confines of his own I guess his own preferences is that is that the word I want to use maybe maybe um, here's I'm gonna say this I think that if you are a good songwriter yeah you should be malleable you should be a chameleon you should be if you're at least if you're going to be writing for other people and you're going to be lauded as uh, a writer for other people you need to make you need to be able to make songs that aren't just a song that you would have written for yourself. I'm looking at you, yes. Little Things by One mm. Direction. I'm looking at you, Love Yourself by Justin Bieber. Uh-huh. I-, I could almost say all of them. I'm not going to be mean and say every one that he's written for everybody sounds like Ed Sheeran, but I'm not... I mean, basically, that's true. Your hand fits in mine like it's made just for me But bear this in mind, it was meant to be and I'm joining up the dots with the freckles on your cheeks And it all makes sense to me It's a pretty serious thing, dude. In the way that that, uh, that guy on Twitter could identify a Jack Antonoff production with, you know, within like two bass drum hits, it's pretty easy to identify an Ed Sheeran melody after like one phrase. He, he has tendencies that he really leans on. Yes, which is not a good thing. I really do not think it's a good thing. And, I mean, uh, it's, it's one thing to have a, I don't know, a watermark. Yeah. You know, it's one thing to have uh, a sound and a vibe. And, and, you know, I guess people who want heavy rock and roll music probably aren't going to Ed Sheeran but his his yeah I mean his melodies and his chord progressions yeah uh, and his his ideas are just the box that he is in does not seem to have expanded very much at all since the A-team and that is I would hate to hear that if I were you know a big deal songwriter but I I think that's fair and I think it's true. Well, I let's um, you know let's play what I I guess I think is probably his most important song, and not just for the reasons of the trial that uh, was underway in the last couple of weeks, but thinking out loud. When your legs don't work like they used to before, and I can't sweep you off of your feet. Will your mouth still remember the taste of my love? Will your eyes still smile from your cheeks? Darling, I will be loving you till we're 70. Now, Matt, much like the A-Team, I find this to be a really good song. I think it's excellent. I agree. Let's dissect his melodic work a little bit here, shall we? Um, in that first verse, in the verses, right? It's kind of chatty. It's 
a lot of syllables. It's it's kind of a focus on um, spitting out a good number of words. Mm-hmm. The melodies go basically where you'd expect them to go. They're they're kind of wandery, you know. It he he kind of meanders through his verses. Will your eyes still smile from your cheeks? And then he lands on a chorus that differentiates itself. It's memorable. It's catchy. You know, it's in a different part of his range. Like, he's he's checking all the boxes, right? He's checking all the boxes mm-hmm. of good songwriting. Yes. Um, yes. Like, I think, I think this song owns. But A, I think it's kind of like the apex of, of what he can do well mm. and as soon as oh, he yeah. steps somewhere else like like for instance the shape of you it's a it's a it's a very different vibe again it's ed saying no i'm not just a guitar singer songwriter i can i can be a like a pop star too but i got to say man i don't think this works at all i know i know i know this is like one of the most streamed songs of all time. I know, I know. But it it feels like pastiche, right? It, it feels like uh, an imitation of, of club sound. I, I just, I, I can't work with it. For somebody like me, coming now, follow my lead. I may be crazy, don't mind me. Say, boy, let's not talk too much. Grab on my waist and put that body on me. No, it it absolutely does because like I'm not gonna go so far as to say that song is uh, bad. I mean it's 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 serviceable to me. Yeah, it um, is. But but yeah, it, it I think pastiche is absolutely the word. And even um another example is uh, a more recent one, "Bad Habits" by Ed Sheeran. Every time you come around, you know I can't say no. Like, right from the jump. Oh, definitely. You know, yeah. like, I don't know, man. It sounds like he's trying to make a pop song. Like, you can... Uh-huh. <laughs> you can you can tell. And, I mean, bro, it's... Oh. You, <sighs> you know when we were talking about Alan Menken a few weeks ago, and I said something mm-hmm. like, it's like he finds these songs or these these melodies... Like in a in a golden temple somewhere and and, and steals yes. them, you know what I mean? A a truly good song, it does not. <laughs> this is gonna sound crazy, but it doesn't sound like anyone wrote it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Oh, buddy, that don't sound crazy to Maddie. <laughs> I know. I mean, that's exactly that's exactly right. Like it, the the best songs are they seem like they just fell from heaven fully formed you, you right? can't see the brush strokes right it's yes you can't find the seams exactly again i'm i'm really pulling my punches here but i think i think i should because i don't i don't hate no, ed no agree uh, but i'm not it's not sweaty in that it's he's obviously trying hard but like mm-hmm. It just, it seems pastiche. It seems sort of rote. It seems uh-huh. like, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's not surprising. It's not exciting. It's not interesting. You know, it's, it's very, very mm-hmm. obvious. I wish I could better articulate this, I guess. I mean, and I'm a podcaster, so it's my job to articulate things. But <laughs> I have a hard time putting to words why 
and just doesn't quite I, I just can't click with what he's doing. Anytime he he ventures away from you know, his notebook and a guitar, I guess. Like he has said he has said before that one of his great inspirations is Damien Rice, the the Irish singer songwriter. Mm, yep. 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 And so it is just like you said it would be life goes easy on me most of the time who and you can hear the similarities right like you can you know damien is this hard on his sleeve you know words written in pencil in a in a flimsy notebook kind of songwriter you know it's it's gorgeous music and the melodies are great and the lyrics are great and and i can see how ed would say i want to do that and i think mm-hmm. i think he does that i think he's really good at that you know vulnerable boy music he's the sweet vulnerable boy and i just as soon as he thinks it's time for like a four on the floor beat or any of that stuff, I, you know, it's like watching someone like do a cartwheel, but they but they don't know how and they don't really do it right. Yes, buddy, that, that's exactly right. Let me. I'm going to try and help you out articulating this part of Thank it. You. I think you know the Peter principle. Is that what it's called when you're promoted to the level of your incompetence? It's yep. like a corporate yes. thing, you know. I think there's some of that going on in there because like it's Ed Sheeran, so. Of course, he's a great songwriter. Let's get him on this. And I think uh-huh. the he's in the he's sort of in the deep end, and he's he's doing what he knows how to do, um, which doesn't really translate. But yes, uh, my yes. what I what I want to to say to flesh this out a bit more, and I apologize for coming back to this woman so many times. Taylor Swift. <laughs> Taylor Swift. Leave her out of this. Uh, no, no, no. Listen, this will, this will, this will make sense, and and honestly, it's a compliment to her. Okay. She has shapeshifted, hmm. and I'm not even, I'm not even talking about necessarily just as a songwriter, but like she started out country, country. That's right. And and now she like she doesn't wear that dress anymore. She no sir uh, is a f- she's a fully believable like pop star, sort of not genre bending, but genre crossing and mixing. Yes. Um, and and it it seems like she actually can do different types of things, right? Hundred hundred percent. I think with Ed, the problem for me, and this may be what you're trying to articulate, uh, is that I don't believe him. You know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean, bro. I, it's not believable. 
what he's doing is not convincing. No, it's not. And it's- he's he's selling it. And he's trying to sell it. I just am not buying it. It is. I think the word again is like it's kind of pastiche. Like it's mm-hmm. it's uh, he's doing a good job of. He's you know he's painting by the numbers That's for right. sure. He knows and he's doing he's doing a good job. Yeah, he knows what goes into that music. Um, but absolutely, he, but he, he feels does, like yeah. a tourist in those in that world, buddy. That's it. I think Ed Sheeran is a tourist. I really do, and and I think that people like. Uh, I mean, there, Taylor is not the only or even the best example. There are so many, you know, David Bowie, uh, Prince, uh, sure, you know, the guy from Gorillas, etc. All, all <laughs> these people, uh, these artists, who um, have evolved in like sort of real, legitimate, and importantly, like believable ways, so that we. You know, they can have an Eras tour, and it all kind of still makes sense. Uh-huh. And and yeah, I, I think that. And I mean, again, this is this is me. This is you. This is our opinion. Uh, and That's I know, right. obviously, pe- people are buying what Ed is selling in every way. I fully get that. Um, yes. But but he really does seem like someone just with a backpack and a camera and some and some sunglasses you know it it, i i don't think he inhabits the music that he's been doing for a while now i really don't think he does i think he fully inhabits the damien rice style um you know acoustic vulnerable boy notebook music and yes and i far be it from me to try and say you know stay in your lane ed uh, no right evolve but like but that's not on me. That's on you. Like you've got to, you have to convince me that this is real for you. Um, yeah. And I don't know what. Like, I don't know. It is hard to articulate. Is it the fact that he's a, a muppet? Is it the fact that he has that <laughs> voice that we that just doesn't really work with with a, a disco beat? You know, I don't, I don't know. But it. Yeah. I I can't I can't buy it. When you're closer, you know how you know how his first album was called plus and it was the plus sign and then his next one was multiply and and it was the multiply sign and his third album was divide and it was the divide sign and his fourth album was the equals sign you know like you know how <laughs> I guess what I'm saying is I sort of feel like maybe you know he got the job of a lifetime writing love yourself for Justin Bieber right and you know everybody wants him to write everybody loves Ed uh, it's kind of like he just got in a little too deep right and he's got to keep swimming in in the deep end here uh, for better or worse. In a way, it's sort of like naming your album Plus and then spending the next 15 years of your life in this <laughs> wretched naming convention for albums and having to <laughs> having to do, just do it because you're there already. And you can't back it. You can't back out now. It's like he's writing club songs like he's trying to be Justin Timberlake. It's too late. He's got to just keep trying. He's got to keep doing it now. <sighs> why in the world? He's ending this with subtract. Why he didn't put subtract in before equals, Matt? 
you and I can never know. We can't know what's going on there. But it's funny. It's <laughs> I mean, I'll grant him that. <laughs> Do you think he's doing it as a joke? I don't know. I mean, because to hear him tell it, he's, you know, had this planned out for like quite a while. I mean, I would right. hope, you know, to be stuck doing that for that long. But like, I don't know. Again, I'm no math wizard, but you you feel like the, the proof ends with equals. But maybe not. Maybe, yeah. maybe minus, yes. you know, means he's done. <laughs> he is a goofy little Muppet, though. Hanging out with Kermit and Gonzo and Fozzie and everybody. I love it. Ear Buddies will continue in a moment. Right now, I feel I'm running from the light and gold in darkness, shielded from my eyes. One foot in, one out. I'm stuck on the borderline. Which way? I should take this on the chin But I don't even know how all of this began We are made to mold and bend Can I wish for nothing when I could This episode of Ear Buddies is brought to you by the Harvard-Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics. Hey, Matt. Hey, Tim. Big news out there in outer space this week. Uh, I don't know if you uh, had your eye on the sky, but the nerds at the Harvard-Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics noticed something fascinating, breathtaking, mortifying. Well, depends on who you ask. Matt, they saw a... They saw a star eat a planet. Just just suck it right into its into its sun mouth. The planet is gone. Okay. <laughs> uh this is something Matt that uh, appa- uh scientists say uh happens when a sun is aging. Eventually it it turns into what they call a red giant. Um and that's what this star did. It's about 10,000 to 15,000 light years away in the Aquila constellation. This star was 10 billion years old, and what it did is it got real big, and there was a planet right there, a big gas giant planet the size of Jupiter, in its path. And it just ate the thing, Matt. It just swallowed the planet up. The planet is gone now. And this, uh, I, I feel like you're concerned. I feel like the people, the, the well, Harvard nerds are concerned. What, what, what? Well, Matt, picture it in your head for just a second. Just, just shut your eyes and imagine a star, not unlike our star, our, our sun, swelling and ballooning in size and uh, taking this planet and turning it into cosmic dust. They say when it happened, there was an outburst of light and then nothing but this, this bright dust, uh, where it, where it once was Matt. Wow. What they're saying is that's our future here on earth. That is, that's the fate of our sun in our solar system. One day it will grow so enormous that it, it just 
obliterates us. We get swallowed into the sun, Matt. Who's who's we? <laughs> well, I guess it's I. I guess it's our uh, descendants. Uh, look, um, five billion five billion years from now. I think, say. Tim. I, I hate to. I hate to um, push back against a sponsor, um, <laughs> but that doesn't sound like our problem. Uh, first of all, this happened what ten to fifteen billion light years away. That is firmly well, that's, that's firmly in not my problem territory. <laughs> like, well, <laughs> Matt, it's not so much. It's not so much that they're asking you to care about this particular planet consumption but it's just it's saying that someday your great great uh great great grandchild is going to watch the sun get larger and larger in the sky until uh they melt in place and you know shortly after that the all of earth is just gone it's cosmic dust yeah are you sure? Are they sure? <laughs> Here's the thing. I mean, look, I get it. It is kind of hard to picture, isn't it? <laughs> no, I get science, and I respect scientists and the whatnots. Uh, but, I mean, that doesn't seem... It's never happened to us so far. To, to, That's to certainly Earth. true. Uh, and I don't... I sort of doubt it, Tim. And And if that were... <laughs> If that were to even happen in some in some fantasy future, I don't know yes. any of those people. Those are those are my those are my. That's like a, 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 a Paleolithic Neanderthal being worried about what I had for breakfast and wanting me to eat healthier. <laughs> and he was my great 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 grandpa. But I, it's, I'm too far removed. It's not. It's, I'm not his problem. Yeah, no, I see what you're saying. It's just and and also Tim. Let's let's be real. There, the world is is in turmoil already. The Earth, our planet, Mother mm. Earth, Mother mm-hmm. Gaia, in turmoil, yes. chaos. <laughs> uh, yeah, everything is going underwater. You can't buy a place yeah. on the coast anymore. Uh, the ice <laughs> shelves are are cracking off and 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 letting. Polar bears eat different species than they've ever eaten before. Uh, yeah, you know, right. the bumblebees are all gone. Right, yeah. the salmon aren't coming back to spawn. Like, hey Tim, look, I was just kidding about earlier. Um, I do care about the planet, and I do believe the scientists. But my my actual pushback <laughs> and the whatnots. And the whatnots. But my actual pushback is simply, I don't think anyone is going to be around for that. You know, that's a going out of business oh, sale. There's no, like, it's it's not really, I, I, why, yeah. I'm not like, worried about in that. Terms of, in terms of cosmic dust, like, it's much more likely that we'll be thinking about sort of, you know, whatever the dust is after the ICBMs all fly. Like, yeah, yeah. I just, like, yeah. it's... it's a little more concern, a little more time sensitive of a concern, right? I guess. Than- so, I guess I'm just wondering why the Harvard Institute is is mm-hmm. fear mongering when it's like mm. there's other stuff. Uh, there's, 
why don't we get the Climate Institute or, you know, one of the people who have the salmon farms are trying to reinstate wild species back into the rivers. Why don't they sponsor us? Why is it this bunch of horn-rimmed, buttoned-up, just combed-over, bald-spot <laughs> guys who are telling us... That this is something we should freak out about. I think it's great yeah. that they saw it. We saw the Northern Lights. I'm sure it was similar. But that's right. <laughs> is it is it worth the money that they're paying us to simply sure. freak out the army, who I know won't be freaked out by this? They are stalwart and steadfast, and I know that they have yes. their eyes on the prize. Uh, that's right. So there's it seems it seems like wasted money to me, and I appreciate it because it's our money now. But why? Well, it's irresponsible, Matt. It's you know, these these NASA types they just get a blank check every year from Biden. It's they're <laughs> they're dying. They're desperate for ways to spend this stuff. Obviously, um, obviously they way over budgeted them on the on the marketing line item, and they said, "Well, what are we going to do with this? We got to spend it. You know, we can't report back to Congress that we didn't spend the money." I guess that star just got swallowed. I guess that planet just got gobbled up by a star 15,000 light years away I, eh, send that press release out okay you know send it to, send it to the buddies tim you know what said. when you put it like that that if it's a budget thing that actually makes mm-hmm. a lot more sense to me because i do understand that you know if you've got the money you got to spend it or you're not getting it next year so yeah and right i mean we could talk about the fact that we're in a recession and <sighs> and how this you know, and this this is what this is what you know the swamp thinks we need to be be focused on right now. Uh, but that is a matter for another podcast for for a different style of show than ours. <laughs> yes, but it's not not the kind of thing we focus. No, on. although we are in a recession, there's something to keep in mind. <laughs> well, Matt, I'm glad you. You know, sometimes sometimes we do need to push back a little bit on our on our sponsors, and I think we did our due diligence. We said what they wanted us to say mm-hmm. about the star and the planet and and such and such, and the, you know all this. And then we offered our trademark ear buddies wit and banter <laughs> that is that I think a sponsor has to expect. Well, and that's you know, I they, think that's what they pay for. They know they're not going to get a clean read of the ad, right? That's not. It's not our style. No, you know? that's right. We're, we go to the Howard Stern School of Advertising. <laughs> so, sorry, folks. Sorry, Harvard. <laughs> this is serious XM. <laughs> it's the Harvard Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics. Welcome back to Ear Buddies, and welcome to a brand new segment that Matt and I thought of all by ourselves uh, that we're proud to present to the Army here today. This is called All Things Considered. On today's program, Matt, we're going to explore... The other side of what we've been talking about. We're going to consider all things related to Ed Sheeran. That is that is great. And that's just what 
this original segment is for. Uh, because we do, we've talked about being measured and level-headed in the past, and we always are, and we always try to be. Um, yeah, that's right. But we do, we want to explicitly consider all things. And so, um, I think that this is this is a great inauguration for this segment, uh, this exact topic, this exact fellow. Um, so yeah, let's uh, let's get into it. Let's consider all things here. Um, specifically <laughs> the legal troubles that yeah. Edward recently overcame. A U.S. court has ruled the singer Ed Sheeran did not copy Marvin Gaye's Let's Get It On when composing Thinking Out Loud. The British musician had denied stealing elements of the song for his 2014 worldwide hit. Heirs of Gaye's co-writer argued that Sheeran, Warner Music Group and Sony Music Publishing owed them money for copyright infringement. Well, Matt, Ed Sheeran recently said that if this had gone the other way, he would have quit songwriting. He would have given up his life's work. I'm obviously very happy with the outcome of the case, and it looks like I'm not having to retire from my day job after all. But at the same time, I'm unbelievably frustrated that baseless claims like this are allowed to go to court at all. We've spent the last if. eight years... The estate of Ed Townsend, the co-writer of the 1973 song, Let's Get It On. Had won the lawsuit that they filed against Ed Sheeran, uh, claiming that he stole key components of that song when he wrote Thinking Out Loud. When your legs don't work like they used to before and I can't sweep you off of your feet. This is yet another case, Matt. Uh, we've we've talked about these in the past. Uh, these legal music copyright plagiarism question marks that have gone before the court, that have gone before a jury. It is such a it is such a nasty and disheartening uh, development in the world of popular music um and we're lucky i guess that the jury sided with ed sheeran and said that he didn't copy marvin Gaye. but matt other other similar trials have gone the opposite direction i was totally prepared and braced for this to go uh, the way of the townsend estate and i'm you know i'm i'm relieved that it didn't but Matt, can you kind of walk the army through what uh, what the deal is here? Why why we're so freaked as real musicians and, and lovers of music and art uh, about this this trend towards litigation? Tim, I would love to. You asking me that question is like throwing a bunny a carrot. Um, so let me just let me just munch for a second. The, yeah, and, and, and it is important. Let's let's get out here and, and say that uh, we, the Ear Buddies, you and me, Tim, need to uh, state uh-huh. that we are on the side of Ed Sheeran here because longtime listeners know that you and 100%. I are, are, are very concerned about intellectual property uh, when it comes to songwriters' uh, rights and, and credits and royalties and all these things, right? Um, yeah. It's been a through line since the beginning. And uh, so it, it, it's not out of the realm of possibility that we would have said, well, Ed, you're a, you're a dirty scoundrel and a thief, and uh, 
you should quit music sure. and give that money back to Ed Towson, Townsend's family. Um, but that is that uh-huh. is not what we are saying. What we are saying is that this is a terrifying case, actually, and it is because it is uh, it hinges upon the chord progression uh, more than anything else. Now, Tim, we have talked in the past, um, or at least I've said this to all my friends in real life, so maybe I'm misremembering, uh, but I think we've, we've said in the past that uh, melody and lyrics are copyrightable, right? And yes, right. so, so uh, you know, when there are, there have been cases, and we've been aware of them in the recent past, where uh, someone has sued, for example, Sam Smith, uh, Tom Petty's, well, Tom Petty sued him. That's right. For uh, stay with me, stay with me. That's versus, right. Versus, uh, I won't back down. That's right. right. And like, and Sam had to had to shell out some cash uh, because it was in fact yep. uh, the a very similar melody, but it was a similar melody. Yep. And now uh, we are talking about, you know, the the case against Ed was that the songs. Let's get it on and thinking out loud just sound similar why do they sound similar okay so the core progression uh mm-hmm. you know pop songs most songs are written with core progressions and th- yep. and uh there was that was one um aspect of the suit and another one was that the i'm just going to say this and then throw it away because it's ridiculous was that the melody the, the rhythmic freedom of Ed's melody was similar to yes. Marvin's uh, in "Let's Get It On." So saying that, both, just to s- yes, both quote both feature melodies based on the same distinctive structural shape, and both display the same rhythmic freedom. Is yes, uh, what the what the court filing had to say about that? The same rhythmic freedom. That I'm no lawyer. Uh, that does not hold water because a what does no. that mean and b it actually doesn't because let's get it on uh, is very vocally and melodically rhythmically free wouldn't you agree Tim I certainly would yes he, he's he's kind of all over the place and it's kind of it's a little yeah. bit of a difficult it's R and B it's a little yeah it's R and B it's a little bit of a difficult song to sing because the, you know a lot of the phrasing doesn't repeat a lot of it doesn't land on uh, exactly on the beats he's he's very rhythmically yep. free. Whereas even, like, you mentioned that uh, Ed's melody in, in the verse of Thinking Out Loud is a bit meandering. It is, but compared to Let's Get It On, it is tight, you know? Like, it is, it is... Uh, no, yeah, exactly. It's meandering, but it, you could, you could like, transcribe it to, on, on sheet music, I think, That's right. if you needed to. That's right. Right where we are when my hair's all but gone and my memory fades And the crowds don't remember my name So that, that, I'm just gonna say that was part of it and I'm gonna throw that away. A big thing, and this was, this now is, is getting into the real issue, which was that it seemed that the towns in a state, uh, they were basing their their whole case on the fact that this chord progression was 
very similar, if not identical, to Let's Get It On. Now, a couple things. First right. of all, first of all, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read this. This is from um, yeah. Oh, I, I wish I I wish I could cite it, but I forget where I got it from. But Mr. Sheeran used part of his appearance on Thursday to rebut an assertion by Alexander Stewart, a musicologist serving as an expert witness for the plaintiffs. Both thinking out loud and let's get it on revo- revolve around a nearly identical four chord pattern. So Alexander mm-hmm. Stewart argued that for the first 24 seconds of Thinking Out Loud, Ed plays a minor chord similar to the one in the same position throughout Let's Get It On. And then Ed, God bless uh-huh. him, he denied that he played that chord, and he, he demonstrated it, how he, how he plays it, and then he demonstrated the minor version that Mr. Stewart had suggested he had played. Now listen, this is, yes. this is, this is yes. going to get he a plays, little... He plays a major one chord with, a, with an, uh, an inversion... Of the bass note. Like, Buddy, it's a different bass note, but it's a major chord. Listen, yes. that's exactly right. That's the thing. Because, oh man, this, a musicologist is saying this. It's literally different. Let's get it on is a one to a minor three to a four to a five. And Ed's, like you just said, it's a one to a, we talked about slash chords a long time ago with the Beach Boys. It is yep. the first inversion of that. So the root of the, that D major chord, because it's in the key of D, is in fact an F sharp. And the F sharp right. is the root of a minor three. However, it is clearly not a minor chord. And so therefore, it's not even the same chord progression. And so right. for, for Alexander Stewart, I'm going to say his name again. Uh, how are you a musicologist? <laughs> that, how are you an expert witness? You don't know the difference yes. between a minor chord and a major now, chord? Now, another argument that, that musicologists uh, for the plaintiffs made, Matt, is that... Um, the chords are functionally the same, saying that they serve the same purpose. Maybe, but how? Uh, who's to say? Yeah, and what, who what in the world mean? is to say? Yeah, what does that mean? It doesn't mean anything. Uh, I want to also share. So it's not just that it's these four chords that are almost the same, but they're played in the same um, uh, the same rhythm, right? It's this uh, one. Three, four, five, right? Mm-hmm. In, in, yep. in, in, you can you find that in both songs. It's the same syncopated rhythm. Yep, that is great. Okay, one of the uh, one of the complaints, um, which again was like written with the assistance of these musicologists and music theory professors, says that. Both songs are among the only three known songs to share the syncopation of the repeated four chord pattern. Well, isn't that interesting, Matt? Did, did <sighs> am I to believe? Am I to believe that these guys listened to every single pop song in existence to determine that only three songs have that syncopated pattern? I don't believe that for a second, actually. That, like, ugh. that's one of the craziest things I've ever read. Um, and and just one more uh, please, piece that I want to pick, pick at here is another element of this complaint said, both songs, quote, both songs share the same formal structures at all levels, from surface phrases 
to largest sections. Matt, what in God's name is a formal structure? Is that just saying that they're both pop songs? I think so. Look, oh like, man. I kind of think that's what that means. Like that they're just Yep, I guess right. They both have verses and then they go to the go to a chorus. It's it's crazy that that was possibly going to become case law. That is beyond comprehension to me, Tim, as a as a real musician, and I know I can tell from your tone of voice that it's also beyond comprehension to you. Yeah, no, exactly. It's it's pop music, folks. This is like the structures of pop music are nearly identical in every pop song, I guess. And I mean, yes. And if we're and if we're going to use that as an actual element of a case alleging that one artist copied another, um that would have opened one of the most disturbing and enormous cans of worms uh, the mind can can conjure. Yes, it's, that <sighs> it's crazy to think, Tim. To me, that is a lot more terrifying than the Earth getting swallowed up by the sun. Like <laughs> it, you know, for, for, for those for those musicologists and attorneys to mount that as as their case is offensive. And and like it is because that's not that's smoke and mirrors. You say formal structure and right. things like that when you, when you you don't people don't know what you're talking about and you think you right. can you know get one and past you think them. you can sway a jury of non musicians. That's yes. what they're trying to do, and, they and that's could why have. this is so terrifying, man. Yes. Is that it's a jury of Ed's peers, right? It's people who are not music experts who have to trust the words. Yep. Of musicologists, of music theory professors, these experts. That's right. On like, the matter. It, it does. No one is, is arguing that thinking out loud and let's get it on don't like sound similar, right? Like, right. They, they are similar. They are similar. Like, okay. That's fine. If, if it had become illegal to be influenced by someone else's music, then, I mean, Matt, when, uh, when that quote that Ed, uh, said, you know, when, when Ed said that he may quit music if this trial had gone the other direction, everybody kind of laughed and, mm-hmm. and said, oh, you know, please, yep. you know, yep. I'm, I'm really crossing my fingers that, it, that he loses then, right? Because it, everybody is dumb and mean, right? But yes, the truth is, the truth is, if Ed had lost this trial, then like, frankly, Everyone should have stopped. I was going to say, we all are quitting music. We all quit. It would be the end. Yeah, with pop, with pop especially, there aren't that many chords, and there aren't that many ways to to arrange them, and there aren't that many tempos. Yeah, man, to your point, uh, (laughs) let me just share one more piece of the argument here. Maybe actually the most ludicrous of all, man. Um, I'm reading, I'm going to read this to you. Quote, chord progressions may be characterized in two different ways, by their root names and chord quality. Uh, and it you know, it says there are seven notes in a chord, any of which could be inflected by sharps or flats. They could be major, minor, diminished, augmented. You could supplement them with sevenths and ninths and elevenths or thirteenths. And then it says, thus, there are 924 different chords as identified by root and quality in Western music. Uh, whereas pairing, um, then it says, Matt, theoretically, theoretically, Matt, there are 853,776 different ways 
in which two adjacent chords could relate to one another by root or quality, and more than 728 billion combinations of four chords. So they're saying, in making this point, huh, 728 billion Ugh. possible chord progressions, and it just so happens that Ed's and Marvin's are that similar. That has to be. That is a point that a musicologist made, Matt, and that is one of the most unbelievable, absolute brain-dead uh, uh, thoughts on music I've ever heard. You're telling me that pop music should be so diverse that we should hit every one of the 728 billion combinations of possible four-chord progressions? Like, there's a reason we do what we do. Music sounds good a certain way. It it's They're asking for atonal music. They're asking for nonsense. It's one of the most disingenuous things I've That's, <laughs> I've ever read about pop music, and I can't believe that it's an actual point made in I, this lawsuit. I truly do not have a response to that. Look, you know what? I'm going to consider all things here, and I'm going to say Ed Sheeran is a hero to the modern songwriter. He, yes. listen, here's, here's what Ed did. This sort of thing happens a lot. And it's very often not super high profile, but, you know, when it is a big artist like Katy Perry or Sam Smith or whoever, it gets in the news. And a lot of the time, a lot of the time, these big artists will settle. They will mm-hmm. not go to trial. And mm-hmm. they will, because they have the money, right? They've got the money. It's not that, it's not going to, you know, ruin their lives or careers if they... Sure. If they, you know, fork over some royalties in perpetuity, uh, yeah, and that, it's not worth that, not worth their time. Maybe, no, maybe. exactly. And even if even if they don't agree that they, uh, you know, that they ripped off somebody, they'll still settle and they'll be like, well, it's easier than than the headache yeah. and the and the cost and everything of a trial. No, not Ed. Ed said, I am going mm. to put my foot down, my little pointed toe British boots, I'm going to put them <laughs> right here, and I'm going to dig my heels in, and mm-hmm. and come what may. He showed up to court playing his little guitar. Yeah, baby. He played his little guitar <laughs> for all, all those people. Yeah. He played. And he his grandmother had a... was. It was her funeral in Ireland, and he couldn't go because he was in court. And he said... Well, that's time I'll never get back. But that, what Ed mm. did, is a deeply important service. Because if he had settled, I, if it, he had lost... Yeah, <laughs> you hate to even give voice to it, right? Like, and, and the truth is, we know that more estates of old or dead famous artists are going to bring cases against more modern artists. Like, it's going to keep happening. And, like, until... I have no clue how you fix it, Matt. I don't know what sort of reforms can be done in terms of copyright law or or what have you. But musical inspiration and influence must, must, must be protected. Pop music and, and just, like, creativity in general cannot exist in a world where you have to worry that maybe... Uh, one of the, you know, 10 billion songs ever, you know, written and, and published uh, might in some way resemble what you just wrote and published. 
that no one can live that way. Um, so no, it's it's it is <laughs> it's a minefield. It's extremely important that this one went the way it did. I, it was high profile, and I'm really really glad that Ed stood his ground and said, "No, this is ridiculous, and I will play my little guitar for all of you jurors and prove it to you." Um, indeed, Matt, a, a noble thing, and you know. My uh, my heart grew three sizes today thinking about old Ed doing that. <laughs> I want to end here by just offering Ed some flowers, right? Mm. Um, yes. Let me we, go in we, on this bouquet. <laughs> we didn't give him that many in in the first segment, but you know what, Matt? We consider we considered everything, though. It's in this. That's what this segment is for. It's it's all things considered. Well, and now that we've considered everything. Uh, we, we know, like, Ed is a real musician, and he is a real songwriter, and he knows what he's doing. He, mm-hmm. he went in there and he said, that is not the chord I play, dummy. This is the one I'm playing. You're hearing an inversion of a fifth <laughs> as a minor third. How are you a musicologist? And he didn't say that. I'm saying that. And so... That's for right. him, and and he like he understands his craft. He understands what he's doing, and he he knew that that was like an important thing. I don't know exactly what went through his little mop head, but like he was doing songwriters a real solid by by kind of going to yeah. bat, whether intentionally or not, for like songwriters and and uh, I guess yes. their their own intellectual property. So. Flowers for Ed. Flowers for Ed. Thank you, Ed. Please, if you get a chance, would you put some flowers on Ed's <laughs> grave in the backyard? Flowers for Ed Sharon. <laughs> uh, I'll talk to you later, buddy. I'll talk to you later, buddy.